Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I want to introduce you to something that everybody needs in their life, which is Adderall and compliments, which is also the name of my podcast. I'm Annabelle, and every week I want you to come kiki with me and my hilarious friends as we talk about everything from reality TV to dating fails, mental health. I promise it will make you laugh, and most importantly, it will make you feel so much better about your own life. So come join me and my baby stripper voice every Friday on iTunes, Spotify, and follow me on Instagram at Annabelle Zisisto and give me the greatest gift of all, which is validation. Hello, everybody. This is Helen Johannesson, the owner of Helen's Wines in Los Angeles. And this is my podcast, Wine Face. Helen's Wines is a little gem box wine shop inside of a restaurant called John and Vinny's. And we have two locations in LA if you want to try and find me in person. I guess it's kind of hard right now, COVID-19 times, but that's where I am in person. You can also find me online, helenswines.com, at helenswines on Instagram. Wine Face is my podcast, breaking down the ins and outs of wine into little digestible, snackable bites to make wine friendly, accessible, easier to digest than maybe it has been in the past. Listen, maybe you want to learn more about wine or maybe you just want to impress your friends. Either way, I am here for you. Today is a wonderful day and we're going to be talking about what's new about wine. It's kind of a broad topic, but this is the last episode of season three and it's the, you know, episode where I'm going to be saying, see you later, so long, farewell. Um, no, it sounds so dark and cryptic. Last episode of season three. It's been an amazing season. So grateful for all the listeners, grateful to Dear Media for putting up with my wine shenanigans. But I thought it would be really interesting and kind of important to use this last episode and this platform to talk about what's new in wine, because there's a lot of things that are changing and afoot. And my own shift in perspective is changing. And I think that's important. I think everyone's perspective and positions and everything right now, hopefully, is shifting and changing. And a lot of that is about self-identifying within ourselves ways that we can do better. I mean, I'm just speaking for myself. (laughs) What's really interesting is when I got into wine, it's like 12 years ago, you know, it wasn't really a mainstream thing. 
everyone drank wine, but it wasn't something cool with people in their 20s. There wasn't as much access to a lot of wine that we have today at lower price points or natural wine or wine that was just fun with cool labels, you know, however it flows your boat. If you're in your 20s, we just didn't have the access. There wasn't as much imports. There weren't as many domestic winemakers thinking outside the box yet. And literally back then, the goal was to get people excited about wine, to get the diner excited about wine. I had customer after customer who come in, I'll have a Cabernet or Chardonnay. And there was just a lack of excitement or intrigue or mystery or Carmen Sandiego-ness around wine. So the sole mission of myself, and I know a lot of other fellow sommeliers, fellow wine professionals, was how do we capture the attention? How do we put in the work to dedicate ourselves to educating ourselves, to showing people, hey, this is a really cool grape varietal. It's called Chenin Blanc when like no one had had Chenin Blanc. You know, majority of the diners had never had Chenin Blanc. Now it's like, that's old news. Chenin is the new Chardonnay. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Could never be. No, they're both amazing grapes. But just to give you an idea of that was the battle walking uphill. You know, and when I started in wine, it was really hard to get a job like John and Vinny gave me at Animal being a wine director without any credentials. And when I say credentials, I'm talking about the quartermaster sommeliers as one or the W set. But most people wanted to see on my resume a year or two of buying experience or they wanted to see that I knew what the F I was talking about. It was really disheartening. And I thought a lot about getting out of the restaurant business. And I was actually on a hiatus when I met John and Vinny. I was working at Intelligentsia learning about coffee. You know, they didn't even really look at my resume. They looked into my eyes. (laughs) They looked into my soul (laughs) and they knew that I could do it. No, they took a leap of faith. They didn't know me. They met me once. Then I got hired and I didn't even stage. It was just like immediate. They took a chance on me. And I'm going to say that not a lot of people would have given me that chance. I applied everywhere, retail, restaurants. I tried so hard to work in wine and I either didn't have the right experience or they didn't really know how much I knew or people were not willing to put in the work into an individual to train them, to teach them. Like I try and do at Helen's with my staff. Bring you in. You don't know everything? Great. Let's learn. Let's all learn together. You know, it's really interesting right now because there is a huge backlash to the Court of Master Sommeliers. A lot of thoughts on it. And I don't want to divert this podcast about that. But, you know, one thing I will say is I do feel like it was an institution that did not accept me for who I was. And if I felt that way as a white woman, I can't even imagine how other people might have felt, especially people of color, Black, Indigenous people of color. So I don't have any firsthand accounts of their experience. All I can speak about is my own. Observation of that culture was a hyped up, super masculine culture, fratty, where I couldn't dress the way I wanted to. I couldn't wear what I wanted to wear. I had to dress in a homogenous strict uniform type fashion. And it's not all about dress. I had to wear my hair a certain way. I mean, all these things because it was like in line with the look and the vision of service. But then beyond that, the study of wine was really stripped down into these boxes. And if you didn't study the wine within that box, within that framework, then you didn't get it and you got it wrong and you were wrong. And 
I think for me, I did two levels. I did the certified and I was out. I was done. It was not a community that I felt welcomed me. I did not like the other people in my class. They did not foster an environment of positivity and learning. It seemed like people who want a pin on their thing and to get shit faced. So for me, that club was not for me. And I also didn't like the instructors. I thought it was really condescending. I'm not trying to bash this institution. I'm just trying to give my background with it before talking about the current day situation they're faced with, which is two master sommeliers have resigned because they are critical, rightly so, I think, of the court of master sommeliers' response to the current Black Lives Matter movement. They have been silent for weeks, said nothing, and then finally put up a Black Lives Matter post, which I guess is something for sure, you know, but I think it's a little too little too late. And they also have been criticized by the term master. And like, you're supposed to call the master sommeliers master, whatever their last name is, which I never did, but that's how they address themselves. So that has brought back a lot of PTSD for some people who went through the court having to do that bad call on their end. We're going to take a quick break from what's new about wine to hear from one of our sponsors. Did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We are suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. I know it could be me. And it doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant created a refreshing electrolyte powder that you mix directly into your water to efficiently and effectively hydrate your body. It hydrates you quickly and keeps you hydrated for longer. So each of these rapid hydration mix has four essential electrolytes your body needs, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. And it packs the punch to help your body both hydrate fast and stay hydrated. And if you're looking for that extra boost of energy, you could also get Hydrant Plus Caffeine, which contains 100 milligrams of caffeine generated from green tea. So the options are limitless. Like people often are like, oh, I'm thirsty. I'm going to have another coffee. No, get the Hydrant Plus Caffeine. That's the way I would go. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by an Oxford scientist. It's made with real fruit juice powder. It's delicious and refreshing and comes in a variety of flavors. If you want some real summer vibes, try the brand new iced tea lemonade flavor. I just tried it. I really, really like it. It's super delicious. Hydrant also starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. And bonus, you save even more with a monthly subscription. So it's kind of a win-win. So listen, so here's what you got to do. For 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com backslash wineface or enter promo code WINEFACE at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com backslash WINEFACE and enter the promo code WINEFACE for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com backslash WINEFACE and you know what to do. Enter the promo code WINEFACE. Let's all get hydrated, y'all. All right. Everybody stay hydrated. Back to the show. What I want to talk about today, what's new about wine is everything is new about wine and it's still changing. For me, it's exciting and it's cool to have lived through it. But, you know, there's a lot of wine professionals today 
who get the chance and the opportunity and they get to run a program or they get to go on the non-traditional path because of how much more people know about wine, how much more prevalent wine is, how much more excited people are about wine. I think that's really, really cool. There's also a new, you know, fizzer in the sommelier wine community. It's cracked open and it cannot be closed. And I think the work is far from done. And to see a lack of leadership towards the work that needs to be done from some of the pillars of institutions within our profession who are supposed to be the top dogs, that's in quote, and the people who know everything, it's pretty disconcerting that they have lacked a leadership tactic in this. Maybe you're like, what fissure has cracked open? But there is very little representation of Black, Indigenous people of color within the wine world. That doesn't mean there's very little people. They just don't get the same light shined on them or the same opportunities that maybe white sommeliers get. And I wanted to talk about this because I have my own job to do, my own part. I was not exposed to a whole community of people. I have since met so many more sommeliers, more facets of this community because of the Black Lives Matter movement, because I've been looking at my own blinders, my own inability to look outside of just what I'm focused on. And there's many reasons for that. I mean, I could sit here and be like, yo, I'm a busy ass businesswoman and I'm interested in Helen's and that's it, you know, but I'm also a human and I'm interested in our community at large. And I think for a long time, I didn't really feel like I fit into that community because community that was getting highlighted was not a community that I really was interested in being a part of. Even when it comes to like a hyper natural wine community, the extremes of everything are really challenging. And I don't believe in extremes in that sense. I think it's elitist to be extremist. And I think that it is good for everyone to be a little bit more open-minded. Now, y'all maybe have been listening to my podcast, hopefully for a long time now. <laughs> and maybe you're like, wait, she's been talking to us about natural wine, organic wine, da-da-da-da, for three years almost now. What is she talking about? And those are still principles that I really stand by. Organic farming is the most important thing because that's where it starts. That's where the energy is captured in the grape. You know, there's some wine that we carry that you would not categorize it as a natural wine for a number of reasons, but that doesn't mean it's a bad wine. That doesn't mean that it's not quote unquote cool. That doesn't mean it's not delicious. That doesn't mean it's not well-made. What's new about wine is we need to throw away all these rules. We need to highlight individuals with passion, care, and energy. And we need to open all of our doors, our minds, and our hearts to changes and breathe fresh life into this wine community because from that, creativity will come and community will build, which is really exciting. I've gotten a few calls and some emails about do you carry wine from Black winemakers? And it's really an amazing and humbling question for me because it's not a lens that I had ever thought to look through when purchasing wine or when looking for wine. I don't know all the winemakers. I haven't met them all. I have not seen photos of every winemaker that I buy. I always just focus on the product and, you know, also what is put in front of me. A lot of what I am exposed to is based on 
the importers and distributors and what they have in their books. And if there are books that I haven't been tasting from, it might be because they're either not mostly organic farming or it's a relationship I don't have. So all of this to say there's layers and layers and layers to the wine industry. But since this is now, you know, been a lens I want to look through and not that I'm not going to change it alone. You know, we can keep going as far as creating an educated an amazing antithesis to what has traditionally been a very stuffy world. And we need to continue on this path. But there are three winemakers that I love. We've carried them on and off. Some of them because there's limited supply. Krista Scruggs, favorite winemakers. She just makes so little damn wine. Like no wine, but it's amazing. And it's very sought after. So she makes a good amount of wine, but it goes to a lot of places. So when it comes to LA, we probably get six bottles. It's like very, very minimal. She grew up in California. Her grandparents were farmers. I think she grew up in the Sun Belt farming. It's the heartland of California. And that exposure to farming early on, I think really inspired her to become a vigneron. And when you talk about a vigneron, it is reflecting on the fact that someone is growing their own grapes and then making their own wine. And she ended up in Vermont where she was staging for Deirdre La Garista. And she worked for her and then started making her own wine, which is under the label Zafa. And these wines are just cool. They're unexpected. They're boundary breaking. They're new. They're fresh. You know, it's like it's beyond natural wine. It's really a reinvention of flavor palette of what wine is. They're fun. They're whimsical. They're serious. They're depth provoking. So Krista, she's the best. Shout out Krista Scruggs. You can buy direct from her, which is amazing because we get so little wine. I am encouraging you to go to her website, put in the show notes, and I would buy direct from her. She also collaborates with Shaxbury Cider in Vermont and they make co-sellers. They do limited release drops. It's usually like apple, grape, fermented. It's got other stuff. They're in cans. It's really delicious. So Shout out Krista Zaffa, co-sellers. The next winemaker I'd love to talk about is Andre Houston Mack at Maison Noir. And I've tasted his wines on and off over the years, but Maison Noir from Andre Houston Mack. He's awesome. He once worked as like, I think he was an investment banker, very lucrative job down, I think he was in Texas. And then he left all of that to pursue a deep-seated passion for wine. He ended up at the French Laundry, which is Thomas Keller's restaurant in Northern California. And then he became the head psalm at Per Se before moving to Oregon to make his wine under the label Maison Noir. And I love these wines. They're really whimsical. He has two kind of different labels. There's like a Maison Noir sort of higher end label that's a little more classic, very echoing and Burgundian style. And then there's these like really fun, like OPP, other people's Pinot Gris, knock on wood. We have the Love Drunk Rosé in stock right now. And it's delicious. He's really cool. I got to meet him last year. And, you know, I have no excuse for tasting his wines and not buying them. I really liked them and I blame myself. But now we have them and he's really cool. And shout out to him. A new winery that I was just researching 
Because, you know, for me, anything we're bringing into Helen's like organic farming really has to be there is the brown estate wines that are made in Napa Valley. And the Brown family has been growing grapes, I believe, since like the early 80s. The parents bought this vineyard and homestead and they restored everything themselves and planted indigenous varietals like Zinfandel, brought everything back to life. And then we're growing grapes and selling them to other people. And then the kids stepped in and were like, hold up, we would like to make our own wine. And thus the Brown Estate wines were formed. Their Zinfandel is very luscious, soft, it's velvety, very fruit forward tastes like California. It's a wine that we have over in Brentwood. You know, next time you're in Napa, you should cruise on by. Those three winemakers, they're awesome. And shout out to, shout out to all three of them. And this, my friends, is the conclusion of what might be new in wine. I guess we're going to all stay tuned in because there'll always be the new Petnat, the new orange wine. But let's dig a little deeper think about how we talk about wine, who we're talking to. Let's broaden everything. That's my plan, just to set it off. This has been Wine Face. Hi, I'm your host, Helen from Helen's Wines. If you want to check out more of what we have in stock, you can go to my website, helenswines.com. You can join our wine club. We ship nationally. You can order anywhere in the United States and we're going to ship it to you. Temperature controlled. You can also follow along on Instagram if you want to see what we're kind of into in the moment at Helen's Wines. Everyone be safe, be positive and be healthy. Take care. Bye.